1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. And uh, this is a bit of a crossover episode, an emergency podcast crossover episode between the Daily Hammer and the podcast to be named later as I am joined by fellow uh, Battery Power uh, Podcaster, uh, one of the best when it comes to covering Braves baseball, Stephen Tolbert. Stephen, how are you again? Good to talk with you again as always.
2: What's up, Sean? Yeah, buddy, it's good to do these. Um, Obviously, the situation in which we're doing this one tonight is not quite as good, Um, but
1: yeah, these are fun to do, and and obviously, we got a we got a lot to get to tonight. Absolutely, the good thing is though is that don't want to you know. Paint too bit of a positive picture, but certainly you know getting to you know the reaction and, and looking at some perspectives when it comes to the Max Fried injury news. At least twelve hours later, we have a bit more positive perspective, and we'll get to all that in just a moment. You can find Stephen at B underscore outliers, myself at stats sac on Twitter. You can find the uh, Battery Power Podcast a podcast to be named later in the Daily Hammer, all on the Battery Power Podcast Network, free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button when you get the opportunity and you'll get the latest content when it's available. But, Stephen, let's let's set a bit of a timeline here. So the Braves had their victory over the Orioles, a thrilling victory. You know, you noted over the weekend the Braves won two out of three but never had more than a one-run lead. So just good playoff-like baseball. But Sunday's victory was a little bit watered down because after the game, it was revealed that it was uncertain if Max Reed would make a start this week. And, you know, Brian Snicker made the now infamous comment, we're working through some things. Well, that didn't seem too, you know, reassuring. We go through Monday and off day, don't get any news. And then on Tuesday, it's revealed that Max Freed would go on the injured list with with a strained left forearm. And of course, that in of itself is is definitely a significant injury. But for many, including myself, it's what that could potentially lead to, which is a lot of times Tommy John surgery, that was the worry of many. Before we get too much into what has occurred since then, just what were your initial thoughts this morning, Stephen, when you kind of saw that news and kind of take us through what your thoughts were from Sunday up till this morning?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the it was a great win on Sunday um, to, to win an extra innings, of course, and, and to win the series against Baltimore. is a really good team. And, you know, the the fan base was flying pretty high, really, especially after they dropped the first game of that series to win the next two and win the series. But then, yeah, like you said, right after it, it kind of like 10 minutes after the game was over, it was released that they were being, I don't know what the word is, they were being a little cagey about Max Fried and whether or not he was going to make his start um, you know the Braves released probables for the upcoming series, and when they released their probables for Wednesday, they put TBA, which is uh, or TBD, I guess, to be determined and or to be announced or whatever they use. Uh, but Wednesday was Max's normal day, so when that came out, obviously everybody wanted to ask Brian, "What's going on?" They asked him. He gave a very, you know, uh, wishy-washy answer, kind of a non-answer, and of course that led to all sorts of speculation, and then. You know, you just just kind of hope maybe he's dealing with a blister, he's had blister problems, or he's got, you know, his hamstring's a little sore or something. What we did not expect, of course, is this morning to wake up and get a tweet from the Braves' official account that said, Max is going on the 15-day IL with left forearm uh, a left forearm strain. And, you know, for anybody who's followed baseball for any amount of time, left forearm, or, you know, left or right, depending on the pitcher, but forearm strain, forearm tightness – Is usually a precursor to something bad and something pretty significant. And it's not always the case. You know, there, I had people tweeting at me all morning, different scenarios, different, you know, instances of guys having forearm problems and not ended up having any sort of UCL damage or, or obviously Tommy John. So it's not a, it's not a guaranteed thing, but when you see that and it's your ACE and you, you know, it just kind of came out of nowhere, then, you know, even if it's a 20, 30, you know, 30% chance of, of Tommy John surgery. That's still way more than we thought when we woke up this morning. So yeah, it was a, um and obviously we'll get into the, the information that came out later in a minute, but yeah, that, that initial reaction was, I mean, it was, it stunk. I mean, I, I don't really know what to say, you know, Max is one of the probably top two or three most indispensable players on the team. Right. I mean, Spencer Strider is obviously a very good player, but um, he's a very good pitcher and and can definitely lead to rotation, but it's so much different when you have him and Max out there at the same time. So yeah, even if this doesn't end in Tommy John surgery, this is going to be a long injury. I mean, he's going to get shut down for at least a couple of weeks, if not longer, and then it's going to take probably a month to ramp him back up. So, you know, he's going to be out for a while. And again, even if it doesn't end in Tommy John surgery, that, that, that stinks just in, in
1: and of itself. Absolutely. And so, yes, and and the news that we got as the day goes on, which we'll detail in just a moment, you know, that's not to take away from, you know, the significance of what's going on. To um, Stephen's point, as good of a start as the Braves have had this season and, you know, the fact that they are, you know, now winning, I believe, 5 nothing against the Red Sox and, you know, as good as much of a division lead as they have, absolutely for a team that clearly has World Series aspirations this year, Max Greed truly is perhaps the most indispensable player of any, uh, especially with how special he's been this year, how special we know he's been in the postseason. So it's less than ideal to see the fact that he now is going to have his second IL stint of the year, but it's going to be even longer this time. But let's get to the news that is a bit more encouraging. About an hour or so after the news broke this morning, many were speculating what was going on, you know, what were the details. You know, I I made the comment and, you know, talk with some of the uh, fellow uh, battery power bloggers and podcasters, you know, what does this mean? I didn't see flexor tendon like we usually see. Well, it was revealed by Mark Bowman on Twitter that the x-rays, the good news is that the Braves didn't see anything that indicated this was headed towards Tommy John surgery. The x-rays, the, you know, the the, the views that they had had of the elbow, it looked like everything was structurally in place. And then a bit more encouraging, and, and I told Stephen before we did this podcast, something that I can't remember in recent memory, happening. Max Freed himself actually spoke on the situation. He talked about that late in Friday start. He felt that something was not right. He did not feel, he felt a little bit of discomfort that was a bit different from the usual soreness. Came in Saturday morning, said that he still was feel, not feeling right. And he mentioned to the trainers, you know, something needed to be looked at. It's at that point that they looked at everything and found the strain, but also found that everything was in place. So what I want to make sure is understood is that this came directly from Max Freed, Stephen, and you usually don't get to talk to the player who the injury occurred to. You also usually don't get the same day that you hear the injury occurs that everything is structurally fine. I know that a lot of times in these situations, teams want to be as positive as possible, but this seems a bit different. In, in other words, Max himself mentioned he truly felt that they were able able to catch this early on and they're going to get it squared away before it leads to any type of significant damage while we can't guarantee that his comments the x-rays all the information we've gotten this afternoon it certainly seems as that's a possible outcome more at least than we thought it could have been with the information that we had this morning. Do you agree on that sentiment? I I don't feel that this takes away from the significance of what occurred, but I will admit I feel a lot better now than how I did 12 hours ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, the fact that there's nothing in the imaging that shows any sort of damage to the UCL is the big deal, right? Because, you know, the, the forearm strain is, you know, there's a lot in the forearm. It could be the muscle. It could could be a lot of different things. The problem with the forearm strain is that it's usually an indicator that there's damage to the UCL, which is obviously the ligament in the elbow. And, and that's, you know, the, the, the surgery for that is obviously known as Tommy John surgery. So that's where you get into trouble. And so if there's no damage to the UCL and it literally is just a forearm you know, something in the muscle or whatever, then, you know, that's, that's amazing news. That's best case scenario. And that's kind of, you know, that's certainly what we're going to be wishing upon over the next month probably is just hoping that, you know, Max can rest for a few weeks. And then once he ramps back up is the pain, because, you know, that's what, that's kind of what kicked all this off is that he said it was hurting, right? There was something after his start on, I forget what day it was that he started, but after his, I think it was Friday night after his start on Friday night, uh, um, he just said it, it, it didn't feel right. It, 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 you know, it felt like it was hurting a little bit. And so that's why they got him checked out in imaging and all that stuff. And, and of course all that came back positive. There was nothing in the imaging that showed any sort of uh, structural damage. So, you know, hopefully the, the ideal scenario is they shut him down for a couple of weeks. They start to ramp him back up. And as they start to ramp, ramp him back up, the pain that he was experiencing in his form is gone and, you know, they'll keep doing imaging and stuff to make sure it's structurally sound, but that's, so that's kind of what we're hoping on is that there's nothing wrong with the UCL. It should be noted that Max did have Tommy John surgery already once in his career. It was right after he got drafted. Um, He was still with the Padres actually before he got traded to the Braves. It was in 2015. So that was, I mean, that's eight years ago at this point. So, Um, but he has had it before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that sentiment that, you know, after hearing Max talk, after seeing all the tweets about, you know, the, the structural integrity of the elbow is still sound, there's nothing wrong with it. Then I do certainly feel better than I, than I felt this morning. I'm I'm still, um, I'm still bummed because he's still going to be out for probably six weeks, um, which sucks. Uh, And I'm still a little hesitant because, you know, I, I've I've been following the sport long enough to know that I've, I've seen cases where guys think what Max is thinking now, and then it, it ends up not working and in, in, in being something more significant down the line. So we're not completely out of the woods yet, but it is certainly a more positive outlook as we got more information as the day went
1: on. Yeah, and in a lot of situations, Stephen, to your point, you know, when you hear – you know the latest news about what's going on. You know you'll hear about the athletes who you know that the X-ray did show some concerning stuff. You know they're going to take time before surgery to maybe see if rehab could help, to maybe see if they can get a second opinion. Just want to make it clear that's not the case in this situation. They're legitimately based off the opinion of Max himself, as well as the Braves, as well as the beat writers. There's not anything of concern. There was no structural damage at all. So I don't mean to repeat myself, but that's what sets this apart from a lot of normal situations. So. Probably better than a lot of situations, but to Stephen's point, you know, still not out of the woods. It's just going to depend on how the muscle heals and we go from here. But now let's get into the impact of what all this makes. Stephen, you had mentioned six weeks. I think that that probably is a a best case scenario. I was going to probably shoot for probably after the All Star break, which would put it, you know, his a time back in about two and a half months toward the middle of July. The point is that the Braves now are looking at months before Max Reed is back instead of days or or a week-to-week situation. So, of course, that means that they now are going to have two spots, two spots that they had hoped were filled by a 20-game winner, the only 20-game winner in the majors last year, and the second runner and the runner-up for the NL Cy Young last year. That's two huge shoes to fill. You're not going to fill those shoes, obviously, with your internal options. But for the Braves right now, it's all about piecing together, you know, four to five guys that they can release rely upon. So if you're looking at potentially the all-star break before Max Reed is available, where do you start? You got Strider, you got Morton, you're hoping Elder can, you know, have himself a good season, but where do you start when it comes to putting the pieces together for this starting rotation for the foreseeable future?
2: Yeah. I mean, you always go internal first, right? Every team when they have injuries, the very first thing to do is go internal options. Right. And so, you know, you have Strider and Morton and Elder already in the rotation, kind of as, a, as your three um, solid options. None of those guys are going anywhere. So now you got to fill two spots because you got Max out and you got Kyle Wright, who's out, like you mentioned. And so, you know, the Braves do have three options down in the minors and, um, and Dylan Dodd, Jared Schuster, and Michael Soroka, who are all in uh, Gwinnett right now pitching. And, um, one of them is going to have to come up unless the Braves want to do a bullpen game tomorrow. One of them is going to have to come up and pitch tomorrow because Dodd got optioned after the game uh, Thursday. Uh, he can't come back up unless there's an IL. Somebody gets put on the IL. And so the the general consensus is tomorrow is going to be Jared Schuster or a bullpen game, because right now the Braves do have, they have 10 relievers in their bullpen and, and only three starters on the staff right now because of, of obviously these injuries. So, you know, 10, 10 relievers there was an off day yesterday there's an off day thursday so you know a bullpen game is actually this is actually a pretty good time to do it when you have this many relievers on the roster and you have you know book in off days around the game that you're you're doing a bullpen game so that's certainly an option um the other option is schuster and so that's kind of where you go in the immediate right is you just look at the internal guys um i think there's a very good chance and i know i know fans will be happy about this but i think there's a very good chance we see Soroka. um by the time the Braves get to the Texas series, I think in the middle of the month, I think like May 16th or something like that, the Braves are going to actually have to have five starters again. They they play five games in a row and obviously that's when you need five starters. So, you know, they're going to have to make decisions pretty soon. Obviously they have to make one decision tomorrow for tomorrow's game. And then after that, it'll have to be, you know, they'll need five starters here in about 10 days or so, so, or less than that, probably about six or seven days. So, Yeah. I think it's going to be internal early on. I think Dylan Dodd has shown probably the most promise in terms of him and Schuster. Um, Schuster's probably been the most inconsistent. Um, I think people are most excited about Soroka, obviously, because he's got the history of being able to pitch at this level. Um, You know, if you watch his starts in Gwinnett, he looks like a guy that hasn't pitched in three years, right? I mean, his, his command is rusty. You know, he's just got a lot of rust on him and that's, that's perfectly normal. Um, that's, that's very natural. That's why they're taking him so slow. And I do think they will be, I don't think they're going to rush him. I think they would, honestly, I think they would rather use Dodd and Schuster in the, in the interim until they're confident Soroka is ready. I don't think they're going to rush him. Um, but I do think you'll see him. I do think we'll see Sirocco at some point when Max is out. So, you yeah, know, those three of the the names, there's a couple other guys like Gwinnett that are lesser known that could potentially help. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so early in, the season it's tough to do trades there are some free agents out there that i guess we could get into but you know that would just kind of be throwing crap against the wall and seeing what sticks um but yeah i, I think probably early on just uh i would the internal the three
1: internal guys Dodge, schuster and soroka are going to be where they look absolutely and, and it is exciting and we'll get to soroka in, in just a moment but you know another thing that plays into this um uh, steven is first off you know max Spreed kudos to him right you know a lot of times you would see pitchers who even if they had you know probably the level of discomfort he had on that friday night after you know late in the start a lot of pitchers would try probably have tried to pitch through it you know i don't want to assume anything on anyone but we've heard that before but max reed knows his body well enough knows what it's been like before to have this type of surgery. Kudos to him for mentioning something and and knowing that it needed to get checked out. And, and hopefully that right there is is the move that you know could save this from being disastrous. You know, we'll see in time, but certainly want to, you know, make note of that as well. But the other thing that I'll mention, Steven, is that I think another thing that's kind of helping the Braves here is that they've have gotten off to such a good start, mainly because of their offense. And, and I think that if there's, you know, there's few teams in the majors who could weather this storm. You know, I don't know if the Braves are going to continue to win at the rate that they're winning right now, but losing a 20-game winner, losing a Cy Young runner-up, the Braves' offense right now is clicking so well that I still think they could at least win at a rate that would allow for them to keep a comfortable lead in the National League through the All-Star break. But I also think that that plays a part in them taking it slow, working itself out, not doing anything drastic because they know they're going to be without that type of talent for a long period of time. How do you think the Braves start in their division lead, even though it's early in the season, plays into their decision-making of how to approach being without Wright and Freed? Yeah, it certainly helps. I mean, you just have a built-in buffer.
2: I mean, you have a built-in, you know, you've got some house money to play with. Um, You don't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. I was looking it up today. I mean, you know it's it's early but because of how hot the braves have been to start the season like if they play 500 ball the rest of the season they end at like 89 wins or something like that i mean and obviously this team is going to play better than 500 ball over that long length of time but that just shows you how important and how big a start like this is is because i mean they've drastically increased their floor for the season even without max and, and kyle for a significant amount of time so yeah i mean when you have when you have that much of a buffer in place then you can certainly live with Jared Schuster making some starts and, and probably, you know, if we're being honest, there's probably going to be some growing pains and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that certainly helps. And it also helps that the NL East doesn't exactly look like a murderer's row at this point. I mean, the the Mets uh, are struggling. Max Scherzer missed his start today because of uh, neck spasms. Um, you know, they've got, got a bunch of their own problems. The Phillies are a mess. The Marlins are a mess. Washington's terrible. So, you know, all that matters and helps, but, you know, obviously you'd, you'd like to be at full strength just to kind of run away with this division if you could, but yeah, that does, that does matter. I mean, the Braves know that they, they can, they can probably coast here for a little bit and still be fine in terms of their overall goals for the season. So
1: yeah, it all helps. Absolutely. And of course, the other thing, you know, as you mentioned is, you know, we talk about the ripple effect of this, you know, obviously you you, with there being such a good position for the Braves to be in, they have time to give right and Freed the amount of rest that they need in order to make sure that they're good. There's a potential where both of them could come back healthy and we have both of them fresh for the postseason. Don't know how good of a chance that is, but there's at least a chance out there and the Braves are giving it the best chance for that to happen by having as good of a start as they've had to allow for rest. To be there, but the other concerning part of this, in my opinion, Stephen, I know that the Braves now, right now, have ten guys in the bullpen, preparing for a bullpen game tomorrow. You know, preparing for the fact that they want to make sure that they're not overusing guys. But the Braves are, bullpen has, you know, for much of the season, been you know among the most five, top five or six most used bullpens. Um, you know, through April In May, they've been used less because we're getting more six, seven inning starts. But that's another thing that I think needs to be watched, because over the weekend, it was mentioned the fact that, you know, in in recent time, you know, you've seen a lot of teams that have been able to advance in the playoffs – They're teams that were among the top 10 in fewest bullpen innings thrown. Now, of course, the byproduct of that is is that they had the most successful starting staffs. But I think another thing that really is going to be watched, and I think the Braves are on top of this, is making sure they don't overuse their bullpen because we've already been through a stretch where we've seen some bad bullpen play. It just becomes a a thing to watch where you don't want to overuse the bullpen. How big of a concern do you think that is as we try to work out the starting rotation
0: um, early here in the month of May?
2: If you start getting four inning starts like they kind of were in the first week, first two weeks of the season and the bullpen's got to cover five, six innings every night, then, yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, it really is. That's, you know, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if if Schuster comes up or Dodd comes up and they can't really pitch more than four or five innings at a time or maybe even less on a bad night then I, you know, that's when you're going to start talking about Alex going out and making a move for a starter. Cause you can't, I mean, you can't crush your bullpen like that. The bullpen is so important when you get to October and obviously all the Braves hopes and dreams are, are tied to October. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's a huge deal. It's a, it's all connected and how, how many innings the starters give you is that many more innings that the bullpen doesn't have to give you and vice versa. So yeah, it's a big deal. And again, if, if, if Dodd and Schuster come up and they start going four innings, you know, five at best, then, then that's when you're going to start seeing, um, that's when you're going to start seeing guys being talked about in trades and 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 luckily enough it'll be far, far it'll be far enough along in the season where where trades can actually happen you know trade it's tough to make trades in may but you know by that point we should be into june and the bad teams know that they're bad and they're much more willing to talk talk deals than they probably are at this point
1: and we can go into it. I think it's pretty obvious for anybody listening, anybody who covers the Braves, follows the Braves. That you know now, yes, arms are a, a much bigger need for potential trades at this year's trade deadline. I think we're still a bit too early on to really speculate about names, but you know, we talk about who potentially could replace, um, you know, uh, Freed um, and Wright. But I also think the spotlight comes on a, a few other players. For one, it comes on Bryce Elder, who has been absolutely incredible so far this year and and you're starting to see the underlying you know statistics those peripheral statistics come closer to the surface statistics, where it's actually showing he's throwing good. His slider's been among the best in baseball. But now, Stephen, the need for him to be a guy who can go out there, you know, give you a quality start every game, the importance of him sustaining what he's done so far this year, it becomes even more important. Just your thoughts on him continuing to have the success that he's had. Even if he does regress a little bit, you know, you're confidence in him being a guy that could put the Braves in a position to win every time out.
2: Yeah. Elder is, you know, Elder's tricky because his, his, he's obviously having a great start to his career. He's got like a two something ERA and 70 innings or so to start his career. But, you know, the peripherals don't always match and they have matched this year. Um, He does give up a lot of hard contact. Um, The good news is he gives up a lot of hard contact, but most of it's on the ground and Chris and I talk about this a lot, but, you know, um, you know, when pitchers get the ball on the ground, it, it, it cures a lot of ills and it's, you know, it's the exact opposite. Obviously when, you know, when hitters hit the ball on the ground, it's, it's bad for them. And obviously when pitchers get the ball on the ground, it's good. And, you know, if you give up a lot of hard contact, that's obviously a negative, but if most of it's on the ground, then you can kind of get away with it. And that's kind of what we've seen from elder so far. And I do think it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. I don't think he's a two ERA guy. I think he's probably more of a, high three ERA guy when it's all said and done, but yeah, I mean, it's been huge. I, I don't know how much I expect of, of it to continue. I don't know how fair it is to expect him to continue to pitch like that. I, I think, you know, I think he's really good as a five starter and, and you can do much worse than him as a five starter. You know, if you start expecting him to be more of a, a three or four, then it gets a little tougher, I think for his skill set. but Hey, as, as long as it keeps working, then, you know, you can't really question it, but I, I would be, I would be cautious about expecting much more from him and, and I would even maybe be prepared for a little bit of regression. Um, but you know, that's not his fault. It's not his fault that Max got hurt or Kyle got hurt. You know, you can't ask, it gotta be more than he is. And, and again, like I said, if, if that starts to happen, if you start to see some of these young guys falter a bit, then that's when we're going to move into some, you know, some, some trade deadline talk.
1: Absolutely. And and so Bryce Elder, you know, obviously you're expecting Strider and, and Morton to be, um, you know, the guys that they are. You expect for them to be able to put you in position win. You expect um, for Elder, hopefully even if he regresses a bit, to be a guy who could do the same. And then you're just hoping you can get the best from whatever you get from um, uh, uh, Jared Schuster, Dylan Dodd, and of course, Michael Soroka. But but looking at, you know, the, the offense, I think is also Something that comes to light because now the the offense is there. The bullpen isn't going to be important, but the offense is really there in, in, in needing to carry this team, I think, through a very tough May and through June as well. And it really puts the spotlight on one guy who I know you and Chris have talked about, I've talked about. That's Austin Riley. Now, Riley's not really starting to put a lot of hard contact together. He's not starting to just absolutely break out of his slump. But before Sunday's game, I believe that he had had a six-game hitting streak, eight hits over his previous six games. Tonight already has a walk and a run. I do think that you're starting to see him get a bit more comfortable at the plate. But as potentially as Sean Murphy, Ronald Acuna even, you know some of these guys who are going well right now, if they were to you know fall off a little bit, Getting Austin Riley going once again I think is important to really have this offense as complete as possible. Just your thoughts over the past seven to ten days as far as Austin Riley. Have you seen anything that's really been encouraging improvement that he could be getting back to the Austin Riley we all know and love? Oh, yeah,
2: for sure. I mean, you know, Chris and I talked about this, but Austin's running about a – he's running about a 10% increase in his ground ball rate over last year which is part of the problem, which was why he's had some struggles early on. He's swinging at some pitches that he hasn't been swinging at. Um, He's not swinging at some pitches that he has been swinging at, which is another kind of weird thing that's going on early on. But yeah, it's, it's slowly improving. I I think, you know, he's been working with chipper, which I think tends to lead to good results for him. Um, But it's a big deal. I mean, you know, it's a zero sum game, right. And if you're having trouble, you know, uh, stopping runs at the rate that you were before you lost your ace, then scoring more runs, you know, is a way to combat that. And so, um, yeah, the offense plays a role in this. If they go out and I mean, they've got five runs tonight, it looks like they're about to tack on a couple more. Um, so, you know, yeah, if they go out and score six, seven runs a night, then it, you know, all of this becomes much less of a worry. So, and Austin's a big part of that. They need the they need Austin to be the guy he was before he signed that contract last year. And so, yeah, it's a big part of it. There are some signs of of a light at the end of the tunnel if you will and um that would be huge for the Braves because, you know, having another guy at his level. I mean, he can be a you know, he can be a 140-150 wrc plus guy and those guys don't grow on trees. They're, they're not easy to find and you know, that's the level of talent that Austin has and so him getting back to that guy would, would matter a lot, not just for the offense, but for the for obviously the the
1: weekend rotation. And then we'll wrap it up here looking a bit more into the name that does come into, I keep using the spotlight, but I think that the big floodlight is is on this guy. We've already mentioned him. Of course, it's Michael Soroka, you know, someone who's not thrown a major league inning, you know, coming up on nearly three years since he unfortunately had his Achilles injury that he, that he you know, retore 10 months later. But we talked about him a bit earlier, um, Stephen, just, you know, how, Not how important, because we all know it's important for him to step up and and be the guy. But, you know, say in that Texas series here in the next week or so, the Braves are going to have a a stretch where they go 19 out of 20 days with the game being played. You know, if Michael Soroka is called up and and say, if he obviously is successful, that's great. You're going to take it, be cautious. But if he's successful, yes, you give him every opportunity possible. But when it comes to Soroka, he comes up, say that he struggles. Kind of how do the Braves approach using him? as you mentioned, don't really need to rush him, even with the need for him now greater than ever. But if he comes up and he struggles, do they let him work out the kinks at the major league level? Do they potentially send him back to AAA? What is your overall outlook now that Michael Soroka, likely I think within the next seven to 10 days, is going to be recalled to the majors for the first time in nearly three years?
2: Yeah, I I don't think... I don't think they're just going to let him die on the vine. Like if it's very clear that he's not ready yet, then they'll send it back down. I mean, you know, part of it is command. Um, you know, he's just had trouble commanding the ball in um, Gwinnett. And that's very normal with as long as layoff as he has, or he's had, um and so a lot of that is just reps you just need reps and reps and reps and reps and reps and, reps, and then eventually you get your release of points back and and then it all feels pretty normal again and so you know if he needs more of that in AAA, I think they'll give it to him i think they'll let dodd and schuster pitch i think they, they could even sign somebody off the street you know to try to maybe give them some spot starts here and there but um yeah i i, I don't think they're just going to let him die on the vine i think if he struggles and struggles you know there's there's different levels to struggle, right? If, he's, if he goes five innings and gives up three earned runs, then, you know, you probably live with that, quite honestly, given the injuries that you have in your offense and your bullpen. And, you know, but if he's going four innings and giving up, you know, six earned runs, then that's obviously a little bit different. So um, it depends on how bad the struggles are. But I, I do think they're going to be more aggressive with him because of the injuries, but he's not going to be the one that they push the most. Like he's going to be the one that they probably push the least. And that's probably smart. And I think if you do it right, if you if you manage it correctly, then by the time you do get him back, you know, he can really be a weapon. Uh, but if you do it wrong, if you rush him, then, you know, you could kind of wreck the whole thing. So um, I think that's the smart move. I, I do think they'll lean on some other guys first, um, but he's going to get an opportunity. And you never know. I mean, these triple A numbers might not mean anything once he gets back up to the majors. You know, a lot of guys will tell you. I've heard veterans say before that they hate pitching in Gwinnett, they hate pitching in the minors, just because every guy they face is trying to make a name off them. So, you know, they swing at everything. It's it's just a much different environment. And, you know, I uh, I remember Tim Hudson talked about this before about, you know, his worst starts ever were his rehab starts because you know he he couldn't get A hitters out to save his life. And, you know, that is kind of a thing sometimes. So, but you know, I I don't I I do think they'll give Max a shot. I don't think they're going to to let him die on the vine though. Or or not Max, obviously Michael is what I meant.
1: Absolutely. And, and and I agree with you, you know, you want to let him work out, you know, whatever kinks may be there, but you, you at the end of the day, you also don't want to in, in any way, shape or form, um, you know, cause it to start being more of a, of a mental, you know, situation with, uh, with Mike Soroka, Michael Soroka, which I don't think it will be, but you want to keep things as normal as possible, even if the need for him is greater. And as we discuss it, um, you know, the Braves had a uh, bases loaded situation, Austin Riley uh, lined out, but then Sean Murphy, as he can, continues to do. Um, It it, it, it hits a two-run single. Um, The one thing that I guess we'll end with is this, is just, and I know that you and Chris have talked about this. Let me ask you this question, Stephen, because I think that we've had it happen, uh, what, two out of the past three years, the Braves have had, I know, at least two finish in the MVP uh, voting. I think in two of the past three years, we've had three finish in the MVP voting. I may be wrong, but what is the likelihood that you feel the Braves could have two players in the top 5 of the National League MVP voting this year. Do you think that's a realistic possibility with MLB.com saying that, you know, Murphy and Acuña are 1 2 right now or Acuña Murphy are 1 2 right now?
2: Yeah, I mean I I, th- I think it could I think it could happen. I I I need to see I need to see Murphy do this for a little bit longer before I maybe buy him as a full-on MVP candidate. Um, you know, there's a difference between a hot start and you know being able to sustain it for a, a long period a long period of time we know we know you can because he's done it before but um yeah I, I mean i wouldn't be that surprised listen murphy has so much value coming in on defense that he doesn't have to hit at this level to still be an mvp candidate and that's what's going to help him a ton is that his defensive value is just going to keep going up and up and up and and if he hits you know even if he sees some regression at the plate um you know, he can still be in that conversation. I don't feel, I don't know if they'll finish with two guys in the top five. Listen, a lot of times if you have teammates up there at the same time, they actually kind of hurt each other. Um So, you know, it's tough to do it. The Cardinals did it last year actually with, with Goldsmith and Arenado, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that'd be fun, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Olson or even like Austin Riley, uh, you know, I, I I do think, you know, tonight he's got to walk into lineouts. Um You know, I, I think, he could get back in there i wouldn't be surprised if if murphy maybe dropped down a notch i don't i don't know if he's quite this good he's been so amazing you know i don't know if he can sustain this for a full season but you know
1: what it's fun to watch and i'll i'll enjoy
2: it as long as it lasts
1: it's pretty opportune that you mentioned the cardinals after the recent news that you know we've seen them in the news about when it comes to wilson contreras and how they were <sighs> considering going disaster. Murphy versus Contreras. Hey, at the end of the day, you've got to give it to Alex Anthopoulos. He is constantly opportunistic and, and obviously a, a move that many thought were surprising. I don't think necessarily many thought that it was a wrong move to make, um, but one that, you know, not many were expecting. Uh Sean Murphy's uh, you know, not only his impact at the plate, but obviously his impact on the pitching staff. Um, it's it's been awesome. But now I know that we discussed many more things besides Max Freed, but the overall thing is, you know, just From what we've seen, you know, to Stephen's point, probably looking at a minimum of six weeks. Again, as the day has gone along, more positive news about the fact that nothing is structurally wrong. Hopefully that will continue to be the theme and we'll be able to get Max back sooner rather than later. But, Stephen, do you have anything else for us as we wrap up this edition of the Daily Hammer? No, it's just been – I've been following the game on
2: my phone as we've been talking, and obviously the Braves are are dog-walking the Red Sox at the moment, so that's always fun. Uh, but yeah, it's still a really good team Um, regardless of what happens with Max and Wright, It's still a really good team and um, they've got a ton of depth and obviously the depth is being tested, but you know, this doesn't derail their season by any stretch. It's just going to make it a little bit more difficult and you know, it'll be, it'll look different than it probably it was supposed to, but they still got a ton of talent and and Alex, as we know, is always active at the deadline. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move of some sort in, in July to
1: to, to kind of bolster the rotation. So still a very good team and still a lot to play for. And the good thing about it is, is that this is opportunity. You never want opportunity like this to come this way, but this is an opportunity for the Braves to see what they truly may have, and can Elder sustain, you know, to some level what he's done. What can you get for Dodd and Schuster over an extended period of time in the rotation? What can you expect from Soroka? And then the byproduct of Freed and Kyle Wright being out, if they can come back healthy, is that they'll both be fresh. They won't have, you know, the innings on them this year like other team starting pitchers will. So there could be many positives that come out of this. Hopefully, you know that it maintains that that you know gla- glass half full type approach. But there could be a lot of good that comes out of this in time. The main thing though is just hoping that Freed and also Kyle Wright come back healthy as ever. Stephen, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Hopefully, the next time we we do this, it won't be about anything negative. It'll be about a positive addition to the team. But always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for taking the time tonight, sir.
2: Yes, sir. It's always it's always a, a, a joy to do these with you, Sean. We appreciate it, buddy.
1: Yep, ma'am. Good talk with you. You can find Stephen Tolbert at B underscore outliers, as he mentioned. The Braves are having a great start to the game. 7-1 now in the top of the fifth. You can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, and across all forms of social media, free where all podcasts are. Just hit that subscribe button, and you get the latest content when it's available. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at S A C on Twitter, Steven at B underscore Outliers. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network.